From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Bracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are actually coming to you live from the show floor here in Austin, Texas, at the Cloud Native Computing Foundation uh, KubeCon event and Cloud Native event. Um, Every time we come to one of these events, there is so much going on. This show has 4,000 people this uh, this time around. A year ago, it was 1,000 in Seattle. So it's a community that is growing like crazy. And anytime we have a community that's growing like this, we're going to see new technologies, new startups, new innovation happening. And so one of the things you know we know you guys love us to bring for you is, is new companies and people that are thinking about this space in, in new ways, trying to solve problems in new ways. So very excited today. We have uh, the CEO and co-founder of Kasten, Niraj Toila, and a uh, new, brand new startup in the data management space and container space. So Niraj, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. So you guys literally just launched this week. Give us a little bit of your background, because obviously you've, you've been uh, around this space, worked on a lot of things, but give folks your background uh, prior to the, to the company. Thanks. Um, so it's been an interesting journey to get to where we are today. So in terms of the more relevance things that apply to listeners of this show, uh, both me and my co-founder have been working on storage systems for a very long time, okay. me personally since 2002. And what's relevant to the audience here today is that as a part of, as in previous life, uh, we were acquired into EMC. Uh, we were shipping a storage product, uh, mostly targeted towards data protection there. But in 2015, we decided to move the control plane of our product into Kubernetes running on Google Cloud. That's where we went live. Okay. So this is over two years ago at this point in time. To be honest, a lot of pain because pre-1.0 days. But the opportunity was mind-blowing to us in terms of what we could do with the platform, how rate of change of de- developer velocity is is what we observed in our organization. And um, not just that, but also where things were trending towards. But at the same time, we also saw upfront some of the pain we faced with stateful t- um, applications in this environment. Right. We were using Cassandra and Elastic, and we could not put it into this environment because the ecosystem wasn't there. We tried to onboard other people onto our platform. They themselves face pain. And those are some of the issues we want to solve for our customers. Okay. But at the same time, it's not like the ecosystems are still compared to two and a half years ago. Things have improved. But there's still some uncertainty in people's mind as to whether the Kubernetes platform in particular is well suited for stateful applications. We believe it is. And that's why I'm here to talk to everyone today. Yeah, that's definitely a, a topic that comes up a lot. I mean, stateless applications, uh, fairly well understood, lots deployed. Um, stateful, like you said, there's there's different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see people that are that are moving stateful applications to that. Why don't you give us a sense of of the platform, the 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 Kasten platform? You guys talk about data management, but give us a sense of you know what are those big problems around stateful, and then what are some of the things you're doing to fix it? Thank you. So, in terms of the customers we speak to today, there's a definite want to move towards stateful applications in this environment. They do worry about a few things. It, the worry has shifted from how I provision storage every uh, a, anymore to things along the lines of how do I manage data at scale? Mm-hmm. How do I still enable developer velocity without slowing them down? Customers are experiencing a lot of pain point around separation of concerns that they see today where developers are being tasked with a lot of data management responsibilities that traditionally weren't responsible for and they don't have the tools to support them either. Okay. So what, that, are, what are some of those? So it's a good question. So for example... 
protecting data? How do you ensure your lights stay on in case of ex- accidental or malicious data loss? Think ransomware as an example. Right. How do you make sure that in an automated way you can move data safely to a test dev environment so you can test whatever code you're writing on real data? Might need to get masked, but how do you do that? How do you move your application stack into another cluster for disaster recovery purposes? So all of those issues show up that traditionally and what is now operations might have been responsible for, but has been pushed onto the developer. And that is leading to friction as well uh, from that uh, side of the house today. Okay. Um, so people have been trying to figure out sort of containers and storage for a little mm-hmm. while now. Um, some of it is, you know, leave it as an external system from Kubernetes. You, you talked about having, you know, a bunch of years now experience sort of the control plants in Kubernetes. Give us a sense of how how is the platform running in a Kubernetes environment? Is it, you know, is it on top of containers? Is the control plane? Give us a sense of the architecture. It's a great, it's a great question. So a platform ourselves, we've made it as cloud native as possible. We are, and we've also made it very easy to use. We are a Helm chart that one deploys okay. uh, within Kubernetes. We install within its our own namespace. We don't need to be on every pod. So we're not a daemon set for the folks uh, who are listening who are quite technical. But uh, so it's a very simple installation process. You expose us to other namespaces you want us to monitor and react to. Okay. And you know, you're off to the races. We work on multiple public and private environments. So wherever our customers are, we will be there with them to help support this. And this includes being in multiple public clouds. We have okay. a lot of ask for people wanting to do late binding of applications in terms of when they deploy to production, as an example, or moving things across different regions in the same cloud, across non-federated clusters, or even across different cloud providers. Okay. Um, so today, uh, Kubernetes has some sort of inherent storage concepts, uh, you know, provision volumes, dynamic volumes, and do you do you look like that, or does it look like a separate application? Like, if, if I'm a storage admin today that knows, I don't know, EMC or NetApp or something, like, what's the shift? Um, Very little for them. Okay. We are not a primary storage vendor. Okay. We integrate with other primary storage vendors, be they be on-prem uh, vendors like you mentioned, or public cloud providers that do EBS and the AWS case of Google Persistent Disk, as another yep. example. Yep. We integrate with all those providers. So we are not looking to rip and replace anyone's storage system, but we provide a lot more application-centric view of what data looks like and how applications and architectures are evolving in this and give you a way to manage that, okay. whether it be to the developer or to the platform operator. Okay. Um, and one of the, the challenges that, that we see, um, it, you know, when I'm wearing my red hat hat is you'll walk into the room and you're talking about Kubernetes or containers and, and it'll be developers and you're talking about a developer perspective. Other times, it'll be the operations team and their concern. What does a does a developer see anything unique, or do they just see like blobs of storage because it's been pre-provisioned or self-serviced, or what? What's a what's an operator's view and a developer's view of your platform? That's a great question. That is something we thought about from day one, okay. and we spend a lot of time and effort and taken a lot of feedback from both those constituents to figure out how our story has evolved. Now, to answer the question concretely, there is from the point of view of the operator. If you are using the Kasten K10 platform, nothing needs to change. And this is particularly important for brownfield applications that we see showing up in this environment, that no one's modifying, the development team might have gone away. Okay. So against completely unmodified applications, we work out of the box for you. But for developers, we have a lot of power that we're enabling them with. 
through an open source project that we call Canister that we also released two days ago. We have frameworks and extensibility for developers to use. So a lot of the pain we talked about earlier getting pushed onto the developer's plate can be taken away by sometimes th- things are as simple as a single line of annotation in your deployment spec. Okay. Where you simply point to what we call blueprints that define custom data management actions that are particular to the developer's application or particular to the environment or enterprise you're running in. Okay. And that will allow the developer with very minimal effort to get a lot more power out of the system, including dealing with complex, eventually consistent systems out there. Okay. And then they can also author their own blueprints if they so choose to, which are much more customized if you have a custom data service as an, as an example or you want to quiz a distributed microservice-based application to get a consistent view of data, the uh, Canister platform allows you to do that too. Okay, yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because like you said, the, the K10 platform is the commercial uh, you know, available product. Um, uh, Canister is the, the open source project. G- give us a sense of what, you know, you talked a little about there's a bunch of APIs that people can get at, but dig in a little bit. What's, what's in the open source project? It's a good question. So um, the way I look at Canister is... A place for people to get together that both are domain experts as far as some of these data services go. Mm-hmm. And generally, we see the same common data services show up over and over again. We see a lot of MySQL and Postgres. Okay. We see a lot of Cassandra, Bongo, Elastic. Okay. We also see Redis mostly uses a cache, but surprisingly, people still want to manage it. They're making clones into dev environments, okay. etc. We see those data services. We want domain experts to contribute, but we also want the developers to be able to extend that. So in in terms of the question you asked, that is what shows up in this. We follow the controller pattern for a lot of things we do, okay. but we make it very easy to extend that. So if you want a bash script to extend some of the functionality, or if you want to add a own container image that does something specific like master data before you migrate it, it's very easy for developers to insert that into this workflow. So you can think of Canister somewhat as a data management mm-hmm. workflow. That okay. is specific to the application of the data service being used in this environment. Okay, and and you mentioned using the 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 controller model. So in essence, you can can you scale it using sort of normal Kubernetes scaling type if you wanted to to grow uh, out, or is that, that is that the concept you're going after? Um, that is correct, right? Okay. A lot of these platforms, you at the end of the day, you want them to be cloud native, which means you need them to auto scale. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're completely correct where you should be able to adapt to whatever is running in your system and the scale of your system, and these things burst. Um, and so we have, again, designed for that from the very early days. Yeah. Um, so containers are, are, we went through this thing when virtual machines came along and people had to figure out like, where, where is my application? Where is my data? It doesn't, I can't point somewhere in the rack. We obviously have that same challenge with containers and containers could be even more ephemeral. Like what are some of the lessons you're learning, um, from a, say a compliance or a security perspective that people, you know, auditors and all have to learn about containers or like what are some of the things they're going to have to teach their auditors? So what auditors care about is the fact that things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the requirements we're getting from our enterprise customers is less about where exactly things are running today in the container world. I think the move to VMs has helped address some of that. Mm-hmm. So auditors are already somewhat plugged in. Right. And even though it's an imperfect mapping, they sometimes map VMs to containers. Right. But what they care about is stuff happened at the policy level, at the business objective level, and give me an audit log that helps me verify that. Okay. Um, now, it is a challenge for us as a platform level for things that are constantly getting rescheduled, and not just that, for architectures that are rapidly evolving, how to support that. Right. And the way we approach this problem is to give up any of the static definitions of these are the things to protect, but instead allow operators to define 
label-based selection criteria for policies. Okay. That is everything that matches this label taxonomy. Go do actions X, Y, and Z with them. Mm-hmm. And that helps satisfy both the operators and the compliance side of the house. Because they say as developers are introducing new microservices into the mix, um, as an example, my policies automatically start applying to that. Okay. And so that's a very powerful construct, again, coming at it from the application level. That is, define whether it be on namespace level or a label-based uh, selection criteria, define what an application looks like, and then take that uh, process along uh, on every step of the chain. Yeah. No, and I think that's that's really important. And for folks that are learning about Kubernetes, you know, there are all these constructs that are in there in terms of namespaces for isolation, labels for, you know, assigning projects and so forth. And the nice thing is those things can be extended upstream, like into CI systems. They can be, you know, used for, for logging and so forth. And so as you're looking at containers, you know, the, the more you can kind of understand the Kubernetes concepts, the more, you know, it's going to apply for applications. But it's, it's very cool that you guys are applying all those to storage so you mm-hmm. can get a common mindset, common operations between dev and ops and so yeah. forth. It, it makes a handoff much smoother. Yeah. It makes the operation much smoother and it reduces tension about people having missed something it increases visibility right so right. those are very powerful tools independent yeah. of anything even we might be doing yeah and, and it becomes more and more important you start having distributed applications and, and you know being able to trace where things are or just like you said audit logs and so forth mm-hmm. um there's a there's a little snippet uh, that caught my eye in your press release that, that talked about data movement or move trying to you know talk about people going from one cloud to another have you guys figured out some magic to make it easier to do that? Or is it, you know, something that, that you just have a better way of controlling people moving app data from cloud to cloud? So I think the thing that made it easier for us is flip things around. So again, previous life, I used to be an infrastructure person, sure. came at it from primary storage, working our way up. In this case, we are rethinking the problem and that's allowed us to be more effective without having to boil the ocean where mm-hmm. we say, where we first start off with thinking this is what the application looks like and working its way down. So it's not, we just shouldn't capture data. We contain, we also captured your ex- entire application stack. Services, configuration, the container images being used. Yep. And we use that as a model. So that gives us a little bit more flexibility. In terms of the actual migration, there are a couple of things we do for both cross-cloud portability. It's not an easy problem to tackle. Sure. Um, some of the canister work actually allows us to extract data from applications in a platform-independent manner. So it doesn't matter whether it's stored on EBS or local SSD. Okay. We, uh, we can just stick things in an object store, which makes things cross-cloud portable at the application layer. Good. We assume your container images is much easier for them to move over, obviously. You get a lot of portability from that. Yeah. So there is that. We also do a lot of heavy lifting to understand how a lot of different vendors work from the storage side of things. So if you are moving a volume in AWS between different accounts, different clusters, different regions. We take off all the complexity underneath the hood. So from the application developer point of view, the infrastructure looks very boring. They do not need to figure out, does the snapshot need to be copied or just shared? What do the permissions look like? Um, how do I extract it? How do I rehydrate? All of that is abstracted away from the application developer. All they see are APIs that they work with that say, from an application perspective, what do I want to do with this? Yeah, And yeah. Uh, we help uh, them with that. Yeah. Let me ask you one last technical question. So um, there's been some work going on um, called the Container Storage Interface, or CSI. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about your your kind of a Kubernetes controller model. Do you plug into CSI, or do you look more like just a native Kubernetes service? Like, how how do you think about that? So we're native Kubernetes service, but CSI is something we are both personally and as a company very excited about. Okay. 
a couple of things. Again, for listeners, uh, for the audience here, it's the people behind CSI have done the right thing by approaching it from the developer first perspective versus mm-hmm. the storage vendor first. And I think that leads to a lot of clean APIs. So that personally makes it very exciting for me. Uh, also where I see the CSI spec evolving with the addition of new features such as snapshots, etc. I think that makes it very powerful for applications to be increasingly portable. And that's something we are looking to leverage once it shows up in the spec okay. um, over the course of next year. Excellent. Excellent. So last question before I let you go, um, where if people want to reach out to you, learn more about it, obviously we'll put all the links to the, the website and the, yeah. and the GitHub repo. But if they want to reach out to you, where are you guys going to be at after CNCF? Or um, what's a good right. way to, to find um, you? So you can always find us on our website. Uh, for That's kasten.io or canister with a K.io for the open source stuff. Okay. Um, we have Slack set up. You can find us on Twitter, the mailing list. You can send us email. Uh, smoke signals don't work wide, 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 wide open <laughs> yeah but we are open to hearing from everyone out there okay fantastic yeah. well folks i'm going to wrap it up with that um it, you know storage and, and obviously data management is always a, a very hot topic as as technologies grow we're going to see it with containers just like we saw it expand with uh with virtual machines very excited to uh to learn about castings today niraj thank you so much for the time thank and, you uh, so much for having me folks, really appreciate it yeah absolutely folks with that we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.